I'm excited this morning. If you're, if you're relatively new to Living Stones, you might not have had the pleasure of meeting the, the gentleman I'm going to introduce to you, but he is a dear friend, spiritual uh, overseer of Living Stones Church. We have three of those people, as you all know, uh, and our overseers are simply there to provide input, encouragement, prayer support, godly counsel. These are seasoned men uh, of God that we've known and have been in the ministry for years, uh, and we invite them here to get to know you and to be in our midst and to continue to provide input and encouragement to us. How many of you think that's a really good thing? And here's the wonderful thing about oversight and godly people that are, that are providing that type of ministry is when they come, they leave a rich deposit in this place. Uh, we have had an incredible couple of days of ministry already with Pastor Keith, uh, and I just want to introduce him to you. He's been a pastor for a couple of decades. He's been a missionary. He's been a church planter. Uh, he and his lovely wife, Penny, have been married for 40 years. I mean, you know, that's something to rejoice in right there, 40 years. Eight kids, 14 grandkids. I think I'm up to date on that. Amen. And uh, he's a great husband. He's a great dad. He's a great spiritual father, and he is an incredible friend of this ministry. So would you all stand to your feet, put your hands together. Let's give Pastor Keith a warm Living Stones welcome. Thanks. It's good to be with part of my family here today. It's always good to be here. And uh, look forward to being at the picnic. And I'm hungry and I'm ready to go. You convinced me, Pastor Ron. I'm, I'm coming. Hallelujah. For a sesame seed bun. You really pulled that one out. I'm just saying. That was good. That was some real wordsmithing there, brother. Hallelujah. I've got a dear friend of mine. Some of you, Pastor Frank, if you'd stand up, Pastor Frank Rondon from Pittsburgh is with me. Uh, he's pastoring a great Spanish-speaking church in Pittsburgh and just tearing up for Jesus. And every once in a while he says, hey, can I just come hang out with you for a while? And I said, good, I'm going over to Cornerstones or Livingstones. Why don't you come over with me and watch what they're doing because this is the next step for you because they're busting loose there. Hallelujah. So he's taking notes. He's watching what's happening here. He, we, I was asking him this morning, what do you see? What did you, what did you pick up? He's telling me what he's seeing. I said, this is great. You're getting it. Hallelujah. So thank you for the great example you are to the body of Christ as well. I want you to go with me to the book of Romans, the 12th chapter. I know your pastor has been talking about gifting. I think that's an exciting area. And when I heard what he was doing, I felt like the Lord put something on my heart to complement that. You know, in my ministry, I don't try to come in and bring a new revelation or a new pizzazz. I just try to lay another brick on the wall. I like the wall you're building, and I want to be a part of it. Hallelujah. So hopefully we'll fill in a couple mortar joints this morning, lay another brick, another stone on there, and uh, you can grab you can grab hold of this. So the, the title of my message today is Grabbing the Gift. Hallelujah. I'm a gift grabber. Are you with me? If it's good, I, I want a part of it. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if you remember one time when I was preaching here. It might have been the very first time I preached here. There were some young people in the church that I knew and I'd had some interaction with over some mission things. And as I was preaching, they started throwing money on the floor. Well, while, while I'm preaching, they're throwing money on the floor. Well, listen, I bent over and started picking up the money. I never missed the beat. Are you with me? I mean, I'm, and I looked over, I don't know if you remember, I looked over at Pastor Ron, he's, he's, la he's laughing his head off. And listen, I was raised in the projects. They throw money on the floor, I'm going to pick it up. Are, are you with me? So, 
I, I'm all about it, man. It, you know, like, it, you, you know what I mean? Like, if you're going to throw the gift out there, I'm going to grab it. I, I'm, you know, you offer, you, you bring me in your house and you offer me something nine times like that. I won't say, yeah, put it on the table. Bring it here, okay? So uh, no false humility whatsoever. But anyway, I think we need to learn how to grab the gift. And I'm going to give you a couple keys, I think, that are really scriptural that you can walk away from here today and say, you know what, I, I can get this. Hallelujah. So let's go. Uh, to Romans 12. I'm going to read the six verses of Scripture. I'm reading from the New American Standard. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Gee, that sounds easy to do, right? Are you kidding me? But he's going to tell us how to do it. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to test and uh, to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Hallelujah. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather to think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you, for just as each of you has one body with many members, these same members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And then he goes on and gives a great big long list of these gifts. So Lord, we thank you for the power of your word to renew our mind, to transform us. And God, I pray right now that the soil of our heart, of our mind, would be open to receive the incredible living word of God. God, give me the tongue of the learned this morning. Lord, help me to share what you've put in my heart with clarity, Lord. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we talk about gifts, we've got to realize that we are a gift-driven organization, the Church of Jesus Christ. You know, when you look at other organizations, many good organizations, you know, they're based on strategy and, and structure, and we believe in that. And, and they're based on credentials, and, and we believe in that, and accomplishments, and, and, and certain criterias. And, and those are all good things. But those are not the first things at the top of our list. We are backwards from those type of corporate and civic organizations. We are gift-driven because the mission that God has given us takes more than human ability. It takes extraordinary ability to do the outrageous great commission that God has called us to do. Now, there are three sets of gifting that are referred to in the New Testament. There is the Father gifts, which is Romans 12. They represent the character of the Father, okay? And they are what we call motivational gifts. And that is a representative list. There's, there's a list there. I think that list could go on and on and on. He just gives us a sample of many of those gifts found in Romans 12. Then if you go to Ephesians 4, we see the son gifts, the gifts that Jesus gave to the church when he rose from the dead. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The five or fourfold ministry, depending on how you look at it. And so those are incredible gifts. Then if we go to 1 Corinthians 12, we see the nine gifts of the Spirit. 
that are listed there, and those gifts are present in a reality. All these gifts are present in a reality today. When Jesus left the earth, he did not pull back his gifts. He multiplied his gifts and gave them to the church. And as a living uh, organism of Jesus Christ, as his body, we must have these gifts. Let me say to you, these gifts are not an option. These are the necessary foundational ingredient that we build that structure around, that we build those strategies around, that we credential. You know, your pastor is greatly credentialed. He's got an earned doctorate degree. But I can tell you what, if you've got an earned doctorate degree and you've got no anointing or no gift to be a pastor, you know what you've got? You've got a piece of paper. Okay, so I celebrate his credentials, but more than his credentials, I celebrate his gifting of what God has put in him supernaturally that those credentials help release and take to another level. Do you understand that? These gifts are imperative. We have a voice to the world, and we need to say to the world, the church is not going to be able to handle the Great Commission in this millennium if we don't have a supernatural manifestation of these gifts in his church. This is without compromise. We must have them. So let's look at how we grab these gifts. Now, this passage is really important because it, it uses the phrase in verse 2 for the renewing of our mind or the transforming of our mind. You know, when I got born again, there were people telling me, man, you got brainwashed. Hallelujah. My brain needed washed. And it still needs washed. Okay, when you walk through this world, you, there are pollutants that are coming. Your brain needs to wash. And how do you do that? Do you just like, you know, just try to do like self-cleansing, you know, and, 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 and self-sacrifice and self-sanctification? Uh, and those, those are all important parts of our spiritual discipline. But when he goes on here, he literally tells us the major adjustments in our thinking so that we can grab the gifts of God that he's put before us. So let's just look at, I'm just going to give you a couple and we're going to move on, okay? But let's look at verse 3 here. In first, yeah, for by the grace given to me, grace is God's divine empowerment, not what we've earned, but he's given, right? Through the grace given to me, I say to who? Everyone. Look at somebody. He's speaking to you. Look at say He's speaking to you. He's, he, every, he's not talking to the guy with the microphone. He's not talking to the, to the worship leader. He, he's not talking to the small group. He's not talking to the people that have a preaching gift or a ministry gift. He's talking to every one of you. He's talking to everybody. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Now, I know it's never happened in this church, but I've actually been in a church where once or twice somebody thought a little more highly of themselves than they ought to think. Okay. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it? Aren't you amazed by yourself sometimes? Come on. I mean, sometimes if I'm not crying about myself, I'm laughing about myself. You know what I mean? I just think, Keith, how can you be so goofy in your thinking, having encountered the living God and his dynamic presence in your life, and you can still be so weird sometimes? And when I'm not saying to myself, my wife is helping me. Hallelujah. I used to call her Mrs. Holy Spirit, but she said that was sacrilegious. I needed to stop doing that. Okay. 
Do not think of yourself, well, that's easy. Okay, let's, what's the next one? No, and then listen, literally, if you read Romans 12, that whole chapter, and actually 13, if you theologically divide it right, it really is talking about, hey, Mr. Self, sit down. Don't get all caught up in self. But rather, think of yourself with sober, accurate judgment, the real facts, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. So, so I, I like how he, he combines sobriety and faith in the same verse. Like, look at yourself honestly, but don't leave out faith. Understand where you're at, but don't miss the fact of where God wants to get you. Isn't that dynamic? See, there's a lot of people that can say, oh, it's where I'm at, and I'm no good, and God can't use me. But God shows you where you're at so he can get you to the next place. I love that vision of the planes being in the air. That's awesome. Your plane is in the air, and God wants to bring you in, and he wants to bring you in with a payload. Can I just tell you? You're on a bombing mission looking for a place to happen. In Jesus' name, the gospel. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. This is, this is exciting. So, And then look at verse 4. Let's go to verse 4. For just as each one, each one of us, that's everyone, everyone, right? The Father gifts. Everybody has a motivational gift. With many members, these members do not all hold the same function. So here's what he's saying. Number one, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. And then one of the ways you do that is by looking around and there's a package sitting next to you. Okay, right now there's a package sitting next to you. And in that package, no matter what it's dressed like, no matter what, of, no matter what some of its outside nuances may be, good, bad, or indifferent, there is a gift inside that package. Amen? Now, in my house, my wife, her motivational gift is giving gifts. So that's how she likes to be loved. But when you get a gift from her, it is wrapped. It is detailed. I mean, it, I, I, every Christmas I fight with her. Let's just not, okay, if you got to buy the gifts, do we have to buy all the wrapping paper, really? Does it really make a difference? Guess what? That's not my motivation. Just give me the gift. Let me forget the box. Just give me the gift. Are you with me? Are you with me? But here's what's fun. See, it can either frustrate you or it can enlarge you. You look at the package of somebody's gift, and you think, that's amazing. That's a, and, and I have a theory. I think God puts great gifts in imperfect packages, not so we'll look at the person, but we'll be amazed by the God that put the gift in that package. Like, if you knew me, you'd be amazed that I could get up here and walk a straight line and hold the microphone and do it all at the same time. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm not being selfish. I'm just telling you the truth. If there's one thing that motivates me in ministry, that I know that God has supernaturally endowed me, that I do not stand on my own credentials. It amazes me every time God moves. It amazes me every time that I can put a sentence together. Hallelujah. And if you listen to me long enough, you'll say, and there's not a whole lot that you really put together. But, but you'll still pr usually get the point, all right? I preach and write with no grammar, just some exclamation points. Hallelujah. Now, he uses a word in verse 4 that's interesting. Before he really gets into the gifting, he uses the word function. He said that we might function.
function, okay? The Greek word is praxis, and it's a, it, it means to do the deeds. It means to conduct business. And, you know, here's what I found out. If we're going to have a productive life, if we're going to have a fruitful life, of a, a, a fruitful family, a, a, a fruitful ministry, a fruitful career, whatever it may be, then there, there is business that we've got to do. There are things in life that we've got to take care of. Listen, listen to me, that you are not necessarily gifted at doing, but they still need to be done. I like to put it this way. I believe God qualifies us for the extraordinary by helping us practice on the ordinary. So that's why one of the standards of leadership, if you look in like 1 Timothy 3, it gives all these practical things. Why is that there? Because it's challenging the man of God to be good at what is ordinary so he can be open to the extraordinary. Here's what I say to young people all the time when they feel like God is touching their life and moving them into an area. I say, listen, until you're willing to do what you're not called to do, you'll never be qualified to do what you are called to do. And they'll say, well, what do you mean by that? I remember one guy that's being greatly used in ministry. I was pastoring a great church. I remember we had just had this lesson. He was a young man in the church. And, uh, and then we went out there, and I went up to the barn because we were at our property, and we had a barn up there. And uh, I, I was up there, and I was putting brakes on the van. So the youth group could go, and we, we, were doing, we were doing an outreach. And he's hanging over me. He said, Pastor Keith, I don't understand that point. And I looked up at him. I said, Daniel, do you think I'm called to put brakes on the van? Do you really think this is what I'm breathing and living for? He said, no. I said, but I'm doing what I'm not called to do, so we can do what we are called to do. It's an ordinary event. I'm not necessarily gifted at it, but it needs to be done, and we're going to roll down the road here. Amen. So we all got to like wash our clothes and cut our grass. It's just part of life. Amen. Matter of fact, when I was pastoring in South Carolina years ago, I had a, I had a man in my church who I thought was an unusually anointed teacher. He was part of, and when this guy, would, I think this guy has a ministry that like should be way beyond our local church. Honestly, that's, he just flowed in revelation. He was highly educated. Great guy. His name was Howard. Great guy. And so he said to me one time, you know, in, in this process of him getting raised up, he said, like, Pastor Keith, like, what do you think the next step for me is? And this is what I said to him. I said, I think you need to cut your grass. He said, what do you mean? I said, I, said, I drove through your subdivision the other day, lived in a nice home. I said, you have the most unkept house in the whole street. I said, you need to get a hold of God's giving you the reality of being a steward over the ordinary so you can move into the extraordinary. We got to get this stuff. These, these are important things. Hey, listen, there are some things we can't control about the package, okay? But there are some things we can. And we need to control what we can about the package and leave the rest to the Lord. Come on, laugh at me. Will you, will you, amen? It, it, just, it, is just, it is just part of, of the deal. Hallelujah. Now, listen, here's what we need to understand about gifting gifting is not a license, gifting is a willingness. So if God puts a gift in you, that doesn't mean that you get to use the gift. Okay, many of you are in a work situation where there are certain gifts, certain abilities you have, and sometimes the boss lets you use them, and, and sometimes he doesn't, okay? You, but, you're, but you're there to produce something for them, for that whole. Maybe he's right, maybe he's wrong. That's not even the issue, you know? I, I'm, I'm a baseball guy, and uh, I actually taught base running one time for a high school, like uh, base running techniques, and... Uh, uh, you know, one of the things, no matter how fast that guy is, you know, usually if he had the gift of speed, 
he still had to get a signal from the coach whether he was allowed to steal, whether he's allowed to use that speed or not. Now, sometimes you'd get a guy that was really developed, and we'd say, listen, you're on your own. So as a pastor, I would have prophetic people, and I would train them. When you have a prophetic word, this is how we flowed. I said, I want you to bounce that off of me, or there were certain other people. I said, before we give that word, I want, you, I want that word to be tested. But there were some people that really grew mature and grew in the flow, and then after some seasoning, I would, they would just look at me. I, I didn't even, I'd just say, run. You got the green light. Steal the base. Just, just go for it, because that gift had been tried. That gift, I, I knew that they got, that this thing wasn't about them, it was about the whole. How does the gift affect the whole is the question, okay? It doesn't make your gift invalid. Let's look at a couple verses. Let's just do the word on this, okay, because this is important. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? For the common good. For the co- is it good for everybody? Does it edify everybody? Is it for the whole or is it for me? Okay, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. What is the outcome then, brethren? When you assemble, each one has a psalm. See, here's how much I believe in the gifts. I believe when we assemble, that if we're flowing in the spirit, if you're a mature believer, you should come into this meeting with something in your spirit already. Now, again, that doesn't mean you can steal second base. Okay? But it means you should be ready to steal second base. Each one has a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So what he's talking about, we don't want chaos, but we've got to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to let this thing flow in a right direction. I'm going to submit my gift to the building of the whole thing, all right? Very important. Let's look at one more verse here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 40, and this is important. Now, some of you, and I'm, I'm just, I just felt like really led the Lord in praying this morning, there are people here who maybe you come from a background that is not charismatic, and that's the Greek word for gift is charismatic. So we are a charismatic church. We're a charismatic movement. We embrace the gifts. And there are many people that have walked away from the gifts or backed up from this because of the inappropriate, I don't even like to use the word misuse, but the inappropriate application of the gift, and usually that involves not understanding there for the whole. But I want you to see this last verse in 1 Corinthians 14, because 12, 13, and 14 all talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Here's the last word, let it be done. Even though there's been some chaos, even though there's been some misuse, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. So what's the final word? We need these gifts. So if you've been kind of burned over or singed over or backed up or offended, listen, I'm I'm inviting you this morning to open your heart and open your mind because God's got gifting in you and there's gifting he wants you to receive that you're never going to get if you reject this supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, even though some of the packages it comes in are not sometimes, but always imperfect. Now, when I say the packages are perfect, I'm not talking about willful sin, disobedience, or rebellion. I'm just talking about, hey, it's life, and we are who, come on. You know, one thing I've learned about the ministry, I take God very serious. I take my function very serious, and I look in the mirror, and I laugh at myself a lot. I don't take myself so serious, all right? I'm serious about what I'm doing, but I, re- I, re- I learned a long time ago, God, I'm not, I can't even get the first base, let alone still second base, unless this is supernatural, unless this is you. Hallelujah. Amen.
God, God is good. Listen, to the degree you are committed to the whole, the value of your gift increases. I'm going to show you something that I carry around in my briefcase with me. Can you, I got a picture of it, I think, on the slide. Anybody know what that is? It's the ignition off of a car. Specifically, it's an ignition off a 1973 American Motors Javelin. And I'm going to tell you a story. I have an aunt, the last surviving sibling of my mother's family. She's in her 80s now. And uh, her and my Uncle Joe, they never had children, but they had cars. And so when he passed away, there was a 60 Corvette in one bay. There was a 73 Javelin in another bay. The 60 Corvette they bought in 1961. They had it all those years. Okay. And then the 73 Javelin was a car she bought. And she was a car person. She always bought a stick shift car because she loved to drive. And so that car was sitting in another bay. And it was in beautiful condition. But when she stopped working, she parked it in the garage one day and went out and bought a new car. And so when Uncle Joe died and she was getting up in age, my sister called me and said, you know, we, we got the Corvette liquidated. That was easy. You know, she said, but we got to do something with this Javelin, and it won't start right now, and there's a couple things wrong with it. And she said, can we, and she lived 150 miles from me, so I, I couldn't go and deal with it, you know. And she said, so can you take care of the car? I'm kind of a car guy. I can fix things. And, and uh, I said, yeah. So I called a guy with a flatbed, and I said, I need you to bring me this car. And so he said, sure, I'll bring you the car. And so he calls me from the garage. I said, look, I got a problem. He said, what? He said, well, your aunt is, you know, she's been trying to use the wrong key, and she's messed up the ignition on the car. He said, and the wheels are turned, and it's locked. He said, there's no way I'm going to tow it. I said, well, I said, we're going to have to pull the ignition out of it. He said, I have a slide hammer. Uh, we, in, the, in the old days, we used slide hammers to steal cars. But anyway, that's a whole other story. <clears throat> but he said, I, c I can pop the ignition out. He said, that's probably what I'm going to have to do. I said, okay, pop it out. Get, he got on, and I got it over there. I got one of my grandsons, and we cleaned it all up, and I changed the bell pin gaskets, the new spark plugs and wires, and got it all cleaned up. And it was looking good and driving it around, except I had to start it with a screwdriver. <laughs> so I thought it was crazy. You know, I'm going to sell this car, you know. I said, I, you know, I probably ought to have, like, an ignition in it. You know, that would be, like, the, the normal thing to do. So I dropped it off at a friend of mine's garage, and he called me. He said, I got good news and bad news. And he said, what? I said, I found the ignition. He said, but the whole thing, when he popped it, broke the whole mechanism going down in the steering column, and nobody has that part. He said, but I can buy you the whole steering column. I said, well, that can't be too much. He said, yeah, it's $700. I said, $700? I'm parsimonious, okay? That's a nice word for cheap, all right? I'm not spending 700 I'm going to give somebody a gold-plated screwdriver to start the car before I buy this. I'm just telling you. I I'm just telling you where it's at. I'm like, I'm just like rebelling. I ain't doing it. I ain't buying no 700 so, so, fi so finally we found a broken steering column that only you had to pay 150 I only had to pay $150 for this. Didn't I get a great deal? You know what was crazy? I thought I got a great deal. So we got it all together, and as I'm going through this process, the Lord is speaking to me. And he's saying to me, saying, Keith, the intrinsic value of that thing is about a dollar. But because of what it's connected to, 
because of what it brings to the whole, how it finishes this car. I don't know what the value of that car would have been if I'd have been trying to sell a screwdriver. I'm sure I'd have lost a lot of money. But just by adding that thing in there and making it a complete package, the value goes up. And I'm telling you something. When we understand how powerful our connection is one to another and the purpose of God, then our value goes up. See, that's what he's talking about in Romans 12, about our mind renewed, because when, you know, you see all these gift profiles and all these things, and there's some validity to them, I use them, but a lot of it is based on me. I'm going to tell you something. If you want to know what your gifting is, get connected to a group of people. Get connected to a group of people that have the same mission, that that have the same passion, and they're going to be, and as you get involved with that, then God will begin to unpack your gifting. He'll begin to pull that bow and peel back that pretty paper, and you're going to find out, and some of you will be shocked. Listen to me. Some of you will be shocked to find out what's inside of you. We had a lady in our church. I think a couple of you know her, actually, but she's gone to be with the Lord recently. Her name was Betty. We called her Hurricane Betty. Betty got saved in her mid-60s, had never heard the gospel, had gone to church a few times, but had never heard the gospel. And when she got born again, she was so zealous to make sure that nobody else missed hearing the gospel. And she was just a servant of servants. Uh, As a matter of fact, in my office uh, was an arrow that she had came and given me one day because I'd preached a message on uh, that, you know, the disciples, the, the children of the Lord were like arrows in the hand of a warrior. And she came and she brought me and they said, Pastor Keith, I'm in your hand. However you want to, however you want to use me. Hallelujah. And uh, she, she was, she was, she was just like that. Matter of fact, this briefcase that I have here, uh, before she passed away, she noticed that my briefcase was all beat up. And she came to church one day and and uh, and brought me a new briefcase. But I watched that woman in her mid sixties, completely ignorant of the kingdom of God. Get connected to people. She was a tough cookie. She was independent. I mean, she would she would fix her car. She would climb on her roof. She 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 had to take care of herself all her life. Are you with me? And see this independent person become part of the body of Christ and see these gifts that begin to bloom in her. It was a precious thing to watch. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's an amazing thing. There are things in us that will only ever be unpacked as we have the grace to be in contact with one another and realize that our value increases as we're connected, not like the world, that I'm independent and I have my gift. And, and so we bring that into the church. I come marching in and I've got my gift and Pastor Ron, how are you going to use it? No, that's, it's backwards. It's let's get connected, let's get in the flow, and let's let the relationships around us and the mission that we're under, let it begin to unpack our gift. See, it's a whole other process. That's what he's talking about in Romans 12, about having our mind renewed. If you read the text, that's what it's talking about. It's not just talking about, you know, having my own personal spirituality. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. So let me go to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.11, you're familiar with this verse. And he gave some. He didn't give all, like Romans 12, like everybody. He gave some. Why did God give some? Because he wanted to. The Bible says he's chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. That's me. Okay? 
some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. So he gave some. What are these things? These are the son gifts. When Jesus was risen from the dead, he gave these gifts to the church to continue the ministry that he started. I shared with the graduates on uh, Friday night, the Galatians 1.15, Paul said, when it pleased God to reveal his son in him who called him from his mother's womb. What can a baby in its mother's womb do to earn the ministry? Zip, duda, nothing, right? It's all grace. But then later on, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 15, he says, I thank God that I've labored more abundantly than you all, yet not I, the grace of God is in me. So I took that gift and I cultivated that gift. So I got the first base, but I learned from the coach on how to steal second. All right, I submitted my gift, I cultivated that gift. I didn't say, look, I got the gift and I'm just here to use my gift. Okay, I'm going to tell you, any genuine pastor that cares for the lock is going to back up from that attitude. That's wrong thinking. It could be sincere thinking, but I'm telling you biblically, it's wrong thinking. Because we want to we get connected. But I want you to see that that gift of ministry is a gift it's not something that's earned or learned. Do you, do you comprehend that? When I would be in a discipleship process with people, especially younger men, I'd say, listen, there's two things you've really got to believe about what we're doing. Just two. <laughs> Number one, you've got to believe that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead and is alive today. That's number one. You've got to believe that, that he is alive. Amen. We're not doing a memorial service today. We're doing an advanced service today. Amen? I said, now the second one's harder to believe. But if, you, but if you really believe the first, you can believe the second one is possible. And here's what I found out. I'll just throw this in the next chart. People that have a hard time believing the second, I think really have a hard time believing the first maybe. Woo. And here's the second. You've got to believe that when he rose from the dead, he gave me a gift. You've got to believe that God put a gift in me. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to make a mistake going down the road. Not sin, not rebellion. But I'm going to make a mistake because I'm imperfect. This package is going to offend you from time to time. Are you with me? So if you don't believe that there's a gift in there, if you just believe that my relationship with you is performance-based, you're not going to be able to grab the gift. And listen, I've had people sit under my ministry, sat, heard the same things. One was totally transformed, and one was unchanged. The apostle Paul said about the, to the Corinthian church, he said they all passed through the same cloud. They all same, saw the same miracles, but yet with many of them, God was not well pleased. Why? Because they did not understand the mission. They understood the manna, but they didn't understand the mission. So what I'm saying to you is if you want to grab the gift, you've got to understand that 1 Corinthians or Ephesians 4.11 is critical because without Ephesians 4.11, you don't get to Ephesians 4.12. Let's look at Ephesians 4.12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So if you don't have that gift, if you don't receive your pastor and the ministry gifts as gifts, if you just receive them as or objects of performance, you will never be enlarged. I believe that most of the American church 
has never had a pastor. They've had preachers. But very few of them have had the revelation to reach inside and say, you know what, I receive that man of God as a gift into my life because when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave him a gift. He's imperfect. He's got flaws. His package irritates me sometimes. I don't know why God would put such a great gift in such a weird package. The truth will set you free. But see, this is what we've got to understand. This is one of the points he was writing to the church at Rome was, listen, you've got to renew your mind to something. And you've got to renew it to the fact that these gifts are critical and that they're important. I'm going to close by telling you an interesting story. I almost hesitate because it could be taken the wrong way. But I'm going to throw this out there because I want to really challenge some people today. So this is a, quite a while ago. I was, I've been in ministry. We'll celebrate 40 years next year, okay? So I've been, I got a little bit of mileage on me. I know I look good for my age. I understand that. <laughs> I change my oil a lot, you know. But anyway, when I was fairly young in ministry, I had a family come into our church. They, they had moved from another area. And uh, they, they were just wonderful, wonderful people, and uh, very encouraging, very solid. And uh, I developed a great relationship with them. And, uh, uh, and, so there, and so there was a point in their life where there was a big thing that was laid out to them with a the family situation revolving a business decision. Uh, he had gone away to college purposely not to become involved in the family business because of some issues in the family and things like this and was doing quite well in his career. But some things had changed in the family. I, it's just a long story. But finally they came to him and said, look, we really want you to be involved in the family business. And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. And he came to me for some counsel. And uh, he was a small group leader at that point in our church. And I said, listen, why don't you get your small group to pray? And they, pray, they fasted and prayed. Together. I mean, this guy took it serious. He understood this was a big decision that was going to happen in his life, you know. And I would see him, you know, once in a while in church. I'd say, hey, you know, hey, how's that? What do you think? He said, I just, he said, I don't know what it is. He said, he said my, his wife, he named his wife. He said, he said, we just like can't hear the Lord on this. He said, I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's like we're paralyzed or something. And literally, if I ever saw a person do everything I thought they should do to hear from God, it was, they were, and I knew they were living right. You know, they, they were humble. They were sweet people. They were crying out to God. They wanted to do the right thing. And so finally one day he called me, so I'm, uh, he said, he, I don't even think he asked if he could come see me. He said, I'm coming to see you. <laughs> like, okay, he's coming to see me, you know. And he came to see me. He sat down. He said, Pastor, he said, I have to make a decision, and I got to make it today. And I said, well, what do you think? He said, I am no further down the road than I was when this started. He said, so you're going to tell me what to do. I was like, no, 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 no. I just, I remember rolling my chair. I said, no, 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 this is not, this is not how this flows. I said, no, no, he said, no, he was, you know, older than I was, more mature in the Lord than I was. Do you know that you can be, because there's a gift to operate, you understand this? Do you understand, do you hear what I just said? He said, no, you don't understand. He said, you're my pastor. He said, and since we've been in this church, we have grown family's been affected. We've received wise counsel from you. He said, and I believe that God is working in you. And I want to know what you think about this, because at this point, 
It's the only thing I can go on because I somehow cannot get through on this deal. Now, listen, I'm just going to share this with you. If you think that made me feel puffed up, you are thinking wrong. It made me feel very afraid. Not afraid of fear, afraid of like, this is serious business. There are people's lives hanging in bounds. And he said, I want to know right now what you think I should do. And I was very familiar with the situation. I mean, I had prayed with them. I had prayed with them in order. I had counseled at their house. We had gone out to dinner. I mean, this thing had gone on for over a year. And I said, here's what I think you ought to do. Because I actually did have a thought on it. All right? He said, well, he, he, didn't, he didn't, he just got up and said, okay. He, I said, yes, I said, what you? He said that's what I'm going to do. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But that encounter taught me something about this man's understanding of the gift that was in me. He unwrapped that gift to another level. The guy's a millionaire today, several times over. He's employed people throughout the body of Christ with incredible jobs. <laughs> Are you with me? Now, what if I'd have made the wrong decision? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But I think in God's sovereignty, God orchestrated something. Are you with me? Here's what I'm telling you. If you want to go to the next level to be equipped, there is a time where your pastor has to become your pastor and not just your preacher. Will you really open your heart supernaturally and say, you know what? I'm going to trust God who was raised from the dead. Because here's what I learned. Here's the bottom line. Here's what I found out. If I'm living right, now I'm not talking about a pastor that's not living right. I'm talking about somebody that's sanctifying themselves. They're accountable to other people. They're doing what's right. When people can't trust them, it's really because they can't trust God. But I'm going to tell you what God wants to do. I could tell you what God wants to do here. God wants to take the gift mix that is already dynamic. One of the fun parts about coming here is to see the gift mix. Listen, but I'm going to tell you, God wants to explode that. And he wants you to be a part of it. He doesn't want you to be a spectator. He wants you to be a participant. He wants you to be on first base, taking a lead, leaning in the right direction, just looking for the wink from the dugout. Just, and when it's time to go, it's go, baby, go. Hallelujah. Are you with me? That's what he's looking for. That's what he's, and if you get thrown out, the next time you get up there, you're going, can I go again, coach? Hallelujah. Are you with me? Amen. Stand up with me this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We have a few minutes yet, right, Pastor Ron? We have a few minutes? Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to open the front here this morning. If there's something stirring in you about having your gift released, I want you to run up here this morning just real quick. If you're willing, if you're willing, no matter how, no matter where your package is at, if you still want it opened, hallelujah. It's, uh, you know, the thing he said in this verse, he said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So we're, we're, that's literally what we're going to do right now. We're just going to throw ourselves at the altar of God. There is, listen, the creativity of God. The thing that amazes me, you know, I get to travel and be some of the greatest exciting places in the world and in churches, and I go from church to church, and I never get bored of seeing 
how God creatively packages his gifts. As you go from church to church, sometimes they're even doing the same thing, but they're doing it in a whole other flavor with a whole other color. Are you with me? And, it, and that's the gifting of God. And I believe with my whole heart, if we can tap into the supernatural understanding of these fivefold gifts that are there to equip believers, not just to meet needs, that's good. Okay, not just to edify believers, that's good. Not just, that, those are all good things. But it's for the purpose of releasing the gift that's in you. Hallelujah. And no matter how dead it up or dinged your package may be this morning, God still put a gift in it. You'd, ha you'd have to call him a liar right now. If you are born again, you'd have to say that Jesus is a liar if there's not a gift. There is a gift in you. How do you get it out? Get connected. Get connected. Open up your heart supernaturally. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. In Je just lift your hands up to the Lord as we worship. Just offer yourself as that living sacrifice. Everything I am, everything I'm not. Your greatest ability, your greatest ability is your availability to God. God, however you want to use me. God, if you want to make me a clown for Jesus, if you want to make me a foolish spectacle, hallelujah, for Jesus. Lord, if you want to make me a mouthpiece, God, however you want to use me, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.